0: Does it matter where God's people live? That's the question we're discussing today on The Hero of the Story, presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you focus on the gospel in every area of your life and ministry. I'm Aaron Armstrong, brand manager of The Gospel Project, and with me, as always, is Brian Dombosik, our managing editor. Brian, today we are beginning a very fast kind of survey of Ezra and Nehemiah um, over the next few weeks.
1: Yeah, and we're going to take this really important period of, of Israel's history and, and it's kind of... It's
0: Dis- about like 90 years yeah. or
1: something, right? But we're going to kind of <laughs> dissect it in slivers. So like today we're going to talk yeah. about just kind of a small part of this, but the bigger story arc here is so important setting up, of course, yeah. what's going to happen... Um, which we're going to get to at some point of the return, or I mean the coming of Jesus, not the return. Yes.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's it's going to be really good. It's going to be really good. So, um, so where we're picking up today is we're going to be looking at, uh, in this survey, we're going to be doing a flyover in our flyover of the first three chapters or so of Ezra, um, which is the initial return of the exiles to Jerusalem. Um, They had been in exile for many, many years at this point. Um, And so God was finally, um, from their perspective, making good on his promise to restore his people to the land uh, that he'd given them way, 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 way back in the time of Abraham. Um, And so that is a that's a really big deal. It's also the fulfillment of what we what we see in the promises in Jeremiah after after the people are. Taken away in exile, they were said that they were told they were going to be out for seventy years, um, and that the the land would rest while they were away, and um, and now they get to come back. So, uh, so Brian, we've already kind of alluded to a lot of this, but uh, let's just go over this again. Where where does this fall in the Bible's narrative? So, starting
1: broadly, uh, the Reign, the, the rule of the Assyrians gave way to the Babylonians, which mm-hmm. gives way to the Persians. Mm-hmm. And it is the Persians, specifically Cyrus the Second or the first rather, who begin to allow the exiles to return around 5.50 to 5.30 uh, in that time frame. That's what we're going to focus on yeah. today. Yeah. Uh, it's Ezra 1 through 3 specifically. And the first thing that the, the exiles start to do, and they don't all return, yeah. they begin to return, and those who return begin to rebuild the temple, reinstitute some of the worship going on. Again, That we're going to start that uh, today. That all happens around 515. We know they yeah. began rebuilding the temple, then they stopped. Uh, then God basically said, what are you doing? Come on. They complete the temple. Mm-hmm. Just for the bigger story, then a little bit of a time gap, and then you have... Ezra and Nehemiah ministering specifically in about the 450 to 400 window. And that's when the, the walls of the city are rebuilt. Yeah. So really the big idea here is that God's people are able to return back to Jerusalem and start to rebuild the city, the temple, and dwell within the land again. Right. Right. And so what are some questions we should be asking when we read or study this? I think the first one is kind of the gimme question. Yeah. What's the significance of the exiles returning? Why is this a big deal? You intimated it a minute ago, but just to be clear. So I think one of the things that that works against us in understanding this is that we can live in a very transient culture. Yes. Where roots are not really significant. I know my family, we have lived in five or six places. Mm-hmm. And my wife and I have been married for 18 years. Um, so that's, you're moving every three years or so. Yeah. And to find out where are your roots, where you're from, you asking that question of people, It, well, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Well, we know even in a couple generations ago here in America, it was not the case where you had roots, you lived in the same city, the same town. Yeah, you were born there and you died there. Exactly. Well, so we don't understand this for yeah. the most part. But then you go back to Israel's history, and it was even more significant, especially since the land meant something to the Israelites because this is the land that God had promised them. As you said, this is the land of promise going all the way back to the book of Genesis, mm-hmm. um, and God had plan- promised to, to plant them there, to bless them there. And then when they were removed from the land, this is what God had promised to send them back. So why is it significant that the exiles return? Because it's their land that had very deep, important meaning. God had promised to do so. And we know this is the land that God had promised where the Messiah would come. Right. So really important. It, it, it does matter. We cannot just say, well, could not God have brought his plan to fruition with his people in exile? No, because of the promises he made in
0: scripture yeah absolutely now another question that we should be asking is is really what was the significant significance of restoring the temple and um resuming worship as the first priority and um and that really comes down to remembering what the purpose of like really uh, two things what the purpose of god's people was and is And what the purpose of the temple was Um, and the way I phrase that is very important um, because uh, the people, uh, the people themselves were the people of God and are and God's people are still God's people. Um, It's moved from – but it's moved from a small picture to a greater fulfillment Um, and that's the the movement that we see in scripture is – um, an immediate, an, an immediate application, um, this one family, this one family became a nation, which then became a family made up of all nations. Um, and that's, that's how the, that's how the gospel works ultimately and how God's plan always was meant to work, um, all centered around faith in him. Um, and so it's not just generically, everyone is a family, um, <laughs> Again, just to be clear. <laughs> I don't want any emails. So, um
1: so is so is this where I
0: give your email address out? No, you okay. cannot give out my email address. People already can get it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, stop it. at. Oh, yeah, they can spell Dimbozik. <laughs> Good luck on that one. Yep, yep, yep. So, um anyway, anyway, so the people of God were were meant to um be a uh, a light and a witness to the world of what it meant to live as God's people, and to so the way they lived was different, and the way that they worked was different, and the way they worshipped was different. Um, in many in many ways, um, the temple itself. Was was a symbol, a representation um, of God's presence with His people, and His presence dwelt within the temple, but it was veiled and separated from. Uh, but His presence was veiled and separated from them, and so only the high priest could go in at uh, and only once a year into the the. Uh, Holy of Holies, the most holy place where the presence of God was, um, which was also where the Ark of the Covenant was. (laughs) Um, And And this is the Day of Atonement, of course. This is the Day of Atonement, of course. Um, And so this is – so all of this is is, is tied together. But the people of God would gather together there when the temple was built by Solomon um, as he – blessed the temple and and prayed that God would would bless the temple more accurately. Um, He he prayed that it would be a place for all nations to come and to meet God. And that's what the intent was. Um, We don't have a temple today, obviously. And our churches are not temples. Um, Instead, what the scriptures say is, is that the people of God are the temple of God. Um, which is a significant thing, because ultimately Jesus was the was the fulfillment of the temple because um John says that uh, that the word jesus became became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt um it actually refers to the tab refers to the tabernacle, which was the precursor to the temple as the tent of meeting. Um, and so it said that, God came God came down and came and lived with his people. and the greater fulfillment of that that's yet to come is God um, is God and his people living together in the new creation forever. Yeah. Um, so that is so what's significant about that is there's a very long way of saying the significance of God's people and the temple were to draw people. Toward God Himself, people from all nations, from all people groups, um, regardless uh, regardless of any any sort of artificial barrier that humanity creates. If they have faith in Him, they are, they were welcome. But at that time, there were some still some differences. Um, but
1: yeah so basically when you think about the exiles returning it was for their benefit but also for the world's benefit yes that's why exactly yeah exactly so
0: um, so yeah so here's then here's the next question and maybe and we maybe have already kind of answered this how does this point us to Jesus Well, I think
1: when you when you look at these chapters the big story going on here are the exiles returning. And so I think of exile and I think of us being exiles in two ways. The first is that we are exiles from God as sinners. Mm -hmm. And this t- takes us naturally to Jesus. Well, how did how did God bring us back home as exiles as sinners? Well, he he brought us back home through Christ, through yeah. through Christ paying our sin debt that we could not pay. Uh through our trusting in him, we are fully forgiven, we are declared righteous, and so we are accepted by God completely because of Christ. So we have been brought out of the wilderness of sin and shame and brought home to be with God, no longer exiles. That's the first way we see Jesus here. But the second way, in Christ, we are exiles to the world as believers. Yes. This is not our home. Uh, Peter mentions this in in 1 Peter. We we are exiles living in a foreign land, at least as the world presently exists. Now this gets into some eschatological issues of what will happen, what will the new earth and new heavens be. Right. And some believe this present heavens and earth will be completely destroyed and a new one will be formed. Others believe that this present heaven and earth will be renovated and renewed. We won't get into that. No. But any way you look at it, you can say this present earth, at least the way it exists now, is not our home. Correct. And one of the dangers we make as believers is we live as if this is our home. And that's why, really, we have to live with this, this end times, this eschatological lens mm-hmm. of always thinking about the bigger picture, that this is not our home. We are aliens and strangers. We are exiles now. But what we're waiting for is when we are brought back home, when Christ returns and, again, either renovates the universe as we know it, Bulldozes it and bolt, starts it over him. Whichever way he yeah. does, we will be then brought to our true eternal home, no longer exiles. That's right.
0: Very good. All right. So let's think about this from the perspective of a someone who is discipling another person, uh, whether they're doing that in small groups, uh, Sunday school classes, um, student ministry, kids ministry, one-on-one discipleship around the dinner table, whatever that looks like. Um, What kind of guidance can we offer uh, them in working through this passage?
1: Well, the first goes back to the initial question leading into the podcast episode. Does it matter where God's people live? Yeah. And we saw, yes, it did matter for Israel for the reasons we talked about before, that there were certain promises he made about the promised land and and so forth. Yeah. But I I don't think we can stop there. I think we need to consider us. Now, so when I think where where I live— and I'm, I'm speaking specifically of the, the, the state, the neighborhood, the house, okay? Does it matter? In one way, some people would say, no, it really doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter like it mattered for Israel. Yes. But I would not say it doesn't matter at all. Because I believe just as God had a plan for where Israel lived to be a light to the world, God who is sovereign has a plan for me and my family He planted us where we live for a purpose we're not there by we're not there by accident it's not yeah. neutral it's not irrelevant it does matter and so I've got to fight to always think through that lens of God has me where I am for a purpose yep uh, my family is called to be light in the darkness of my neighborhood, my city. Uh, we are to to live for the well-being of of our city as we present the gospel before our watching neighbors and friends and and peers and so forth. And so where we live, our homes are not utilitarian. Yeah,
0: we have to see them for what they are missionary outposts right yeah, that's a good that's a good approach approach to it for sure a uh, good perspective um another another aspect of this um, has to do with, Trial and suffering, and 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 difficulty that we may face in life, and and recognizing that while this this uh, might endure for a long season, and in fact we might uh, it might outlive us, um, God is still faithful. Um, and so think about how long it took, from a human perspective, for God to make good on the on on His promise of return to his people in exile Um, living there was hard I mean they were surrounded by people who uh, mocked and jeered them who um, were constantly trying to find ways to trip them up in their in their revised forms of worship um, since there was there were limits on what they could do Uh, they couldn't uh, for example they couldn't perform any of the sacrifices because the temple wasn't there. <laughs> um, and so the sacrificial system uh, was on hold for a season uh, in their lives. Um, you know, Daniel, in his example, uh, we've talked about in, in past episodes, he, he prayed toward, toward Jerusalem in the direction of the temple multiple times a day, that was his custom. Uh, that was the custom of many of his people Um, And so for us, it's um, we need to think about how we can be faithful to God in those seasons Mm -hmm. because we know that God is faithful to us. Um, And we know because we've seen his faithfulness to his people throughout all generations. That's good.
1: I think the third takeaway uh, is is when we think about what our value of worship is, and, and I know for me, I can speak from personal experience, mm-hmm. it's easy to go through the motions of, of corporate worship, especially.
0: Like like hand motions during <laughs> kids', no, no, kids church? Uh,
1: no, I well, yeah, that can happen. I thought you thought like <laughs> hand motions during worship. I tend to have my hands in my pockets. Uh, hand motion for me is taking them out of my pockets on the seat in front of me. Ooh. That's the spirit's moving. That's the, the spirit's nice. moving. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but what it, it's easy to go through the motions. Yeah. Uh, especially in corporate worship. We know that worship transcends corporate worship. Yes. We should be worshiping without ceasing. Um, but it is easy to go through motions. It's easy to take it for granted. Um, and, and I should not. And, mm-hmm. and I'm sure there are other people listening who are with me in this. We should not. I agree. Um, you should not. Yeah. Thank you for for. Yeah uh rebuking me um <laughs> that's what i'm w- here for Worship—that's <laughs> you are uh, worship as we know is is a high calling yeah. and, and it's a high privilege that that god has extended to us as believers and when we really think about worship what it is we should always be in a state of awe that we are allowed we're yeah. invited to come before holy god our father and worship him to declare his worth Uh, to celebrate what he has done, to celebrate who he is. And so really, anytime we gather for worship, especially when we worship on our own, it should be a deeply moving experience, even though we can worship in different ways. And again, we made the light of hand raising some people that, I mean, that's great, you don't have to do that. Mm -hmm. Whatever is true to you, you but you should be moved in spirit as you worship. And so this challenges me to consider how I view
0: worship on a regular basis. Absolutely. and Brian, I think that's a good place for us to to wrap up this conversation for today. So, listeners, thank you for listening to today's episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.